What up? Cautiously optimizing my favorite podcast of all time. Welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic, episode 86. It has been quite a while, but we are back for you guys, for the audience. The reason we do this whole thing, Cautiously Optimistic, how are you guys feeling after Thanksgiving? Christmas is coming up soon. We're in the midst of the holiday spirit. It is now December. How are you both feeling? I mean, I feel great, you know, besides for the fact that it's just absurdly cold here in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm assuming it's way hotter in Kansas where uh, Sully is, but it is absurdly cold. It's around the 50s right now, and you know I don't know how much more I can take. Uh, hopefully it clears up soon and gets back to the nice, regular December weather of the 70s uh, here in LA. So that's all I can really think about. Yeah, it's uh, it's 85 here, so <laughs> it's been nice. I'm, I'm gonna go to the beach after this. Mm do all that good stuff with you out here in Kansas that you guys know about but yeah it's uh it's been fun out here since the, the holidays have passed you know just been uh packing on the pounds uh you know it's it's a season to get thick I think mm-hmm. uh, Merry Thickmas get back into your summer bod mode out there so I've been working on that I think it's important um beyond that just eating you know a lot of great food that's what this time of year is about that's why Thanksgiving is the best holiday in my mind of the you know the three and over the two month span of I guess Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, and New Year's, or whatever it is that you do celebrate. Um, I think Thanksgiving is better than them all, and that's that's where I stand. So you know, we're past the most important end of the year event in my mind, and I'm feeling ready to get out there and, and get towards a new year. Um, okay, quick question before we move on: How I Thanksgiving is better than Christmas and New Year's? Hundred percent. Well, I mean, you get tons of great food. Um, for me, you know, I'm someone being someone that celebrated Christmas growing up, uh, you know, I'm not really religious, so that side of it doesn't matter at all. And I haven't really done gifts in a, in a long time, so that doesn't matter. Maybe when you're a kid, I'd give Christmas a slight edge, but after about 12 or 13, I think it goes over to Thanksgiving. And then New Year's to me is always, uh, it has the potential to be the best of the three, but always falls short, I'd say, pretty much every time. Um, not that it's not fun. But Thanksgiving, you have the whole week where everyone's kind of back in town, uh, eat a lot of great food. You know, everyone's going to be off for four days in a row, including that nights of four days, five nights. Um, it's number one in my book. See, this is the thing. I, I, a lot of great food most of the time, yes. Um, there's good food around Christmas time mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas time, to me, isn't necessarily just about the gifts or the religious part. It's a whole season, you know. You you walk around and you feel it. You feel it in a different way. Um, it's like it's, it just hits you. It just hits you for a month. You want to talk about four days, five nights, or whatever it may be. You get a month of Christmas time essentially, because it's still low key a little bit of Christmas even after Christmas. You still feel it a little bit until you really get to maybe the 29th. Um, the 30th when you really are starting to lock in those new year's plans but uh i am just gonna have to completely disagree with you here so i don't think that uh thanksgiving can touch christmas yeah and, and before we get to nick to maybe tie break that i think that's an interesting take coming from a guy who notoriously hates christmas music oh yeah we're gonna talk about that don't worry about me i was gonna yeah and this is a perfect example of a, a moment where i need to tie break this because i do agree with jesse in the sense that it is the whole you know holiday spirit that begins 
essentially on Black Friday, you could just pop the tree up there right after Thanksgiving. I know Jesse was quick to post our uh, wonderful picture at Taco Bell that we took uh, last year, uh, December 1st, I believe he posted that because he knows what's, it's the season, what it's all about. And also around that time, I noticed Jesse posted his wonderful photo of us at Taco Bell that we took last year, bringing it back around for another year, came out there on December 1st and put that out there because he knows the Holy Spirit is upon us. And also around that time is when the Christmas music you know, starts being played on the radio, which we can bring this conversation back to. I believe Christmas music is glorious, joyous, um, perfect for the Holy Spirit, and I'm glad to be listening to more of it. If you guys want to talk about it now, we could talk about it now. But, um, I mean, look, my whole thing about having a month of Christmas had nothing to do with Christmas music. Uh, it's just an energy in the air. It's a feeling. People are walking around in sweaters, even if you don't have to. Uh, it just feels jolly. It feels fun. It feels happy. It's merry, you might even say. Um, not having to do with any Christmas music, because Christmas music is absolute garbage, with the exception of five. I said Last year I said five songs. Um, you know, you can make certain... S- cases for maybe a few more. So I'm going to, to please all of you, I'll say there's 10 songs probably um, that are good and the rest of Christmas music is absolute garbage. Um, there's no reason to listen to it. Uh, well, first off, we can get into this whole conversation another time, maybe closer to actual Christmas. Yeah, itself. I agree with that. But Nick, you didn't cast a deciding vote really. You just kind of, you just went down the That's middle. true. I will give my vote. Uh, I'm sorry, Sully. Christmas is above Thanksgiving for me, despite the wonderful food and, you know, the camaraderie at Thanksgiving time there, that four days, like you mentioned. I think the Christmas spirit lingers on beyond just four days, and that puts it over the top for me. And it's a nice little prelude to the New Year's plans. You know, you have your family time, your friend time, and then, you know, you go into New Year's, and then, boom, there, there it goes. It's a, it's a wonderful time. And um, did you just invent a new word, Nick? <laughs> poom? Not I boom, did. just I poom? Did. I did. I'm not sure where that came from. Um, been pooping but, all around. Um, I think for me, I don't, you know, I can go either way of Christmas and Thanksgiving. Uh, I think Thanksgiving is better, but I like Christmas. As long as we're all in agreement that New Year's is the worst out of the three. I think that's the biggest thing. See, I don't even know if I can go there with you. I enjoy New Year's. And I, I, I hear your point about how. Um, New Year's, I think you're right. A lot of the time, New Year's won't live up to expectations because New Year's is very hyped and New Year's has a, has very high expectations. You know, you want to be able to do so many things. It's like, what do I do? Do I do this? Do that? Do that? Do that? Do that? You can only do one thing on New Year's night. You, you can only be in one place when that clock strikes midnight. So it's tough because you're going to have FOMO with a certain group of friends probably no matter what. And I understand that point. But uh, I think New Year's is a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's overrated, but it is what it is. It's tough that I'm not here this year now, Jesse, because now I won't be able to get my New Year's kiss from you. Mm-hmm, it's true. It's a, it's a long-standing tradition, yeah. yeah. It is, if you don't know. Um, and, I mean, you, you also bring up another point there, Sol, where, um, you know, it, it is the holidays, and the holidays are a time for, for love, and people are around each other. It's cuffing season, you know, as they say. And it's interesting yeah. because a, a very popular couple is now possibly uncuffed. Cardi B <laughs> and Offset. Reportedly yeah, breaking sure. up and getting a divorce. How are we feeling about that, guys? Yeah, 2019 is not going to be a good year for Cardi B and Offset. Maybe it will be for their individual careers, but as far as they go as a couple, they have a kid now. Um, they, I guess Cardi B's quote was, they fell out of love, um, and that's only been, I think it's only been five months since the marriage or something like that. I don't even know. It's very short. But also, people are you know making a big deal about this on social media and the airwaves, but to me, and I think, Sully, you may agree with me here, this is not shocking at all. Uh, this is just another example of a uh, misguided romance that f- falls apart, um, not surprisingly. 
Yeah, I don't know if I, we can really classify their romance. We don't know how they're feeling. But I don't think it's shocking that two mid-20-year-olds with millions of dollars uh, that had a marriage fall apart after dating for, like, less than a year um, before getting married. So, yeah, it's not the most shocking thing. Uh, you, you know, two people I, I like individually, so they seemed to end it on good terms, you know. Um, I think as as one marriage falls apart, it's it's the holiday season. I just said it can be very romantic. Uh, Nick, do you have any plans to maybe get married in the near future? What's the what's the haps on that? We haven't got an update on that in a while. See, the funny thing is, that's where I thought Jesse was going originally with the transition. Mm, and no. when he went to Cardi being off, I was like, all right, he wasn't going to make another joke about it, you know, me here. But then Sully, okay, of course, Lee, you're a joke. No, yeah, I was like, you know, Sully, of course, is going to bring it there. So um, yeah, you know. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful holiday season and uh, looking forward to uh, a Merry Christmas and a happy 2019 and things are, going, things are going very well again that's that's my update since last time and it's going to remain my update this time as well wait did you say a married Christmas? <laughs> oh he's dropping hints he's dropping hints I mean it's just you know seven days in Guatemala I just you know it feels romantic so uh, we just had to check in and, and find out what was going on with that but yeah, it's a you know it's a time. I got t- I got two weddings coming up in the next six months. I think seven months. So uh, it is the season, I guess, to or it is the season of our lives to get married. Yeah, so, and I mean, who knows? Maybe very soon we can make that three weddings. Well, I hope you enjoy those weddings that you speak of, Sully. Um, that those seem like they'll be a great time. They will be. I, I'm just I love weddings. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, so we enjoy. Cool. We, everyone, everyone loves weddings. Yep, I think. Yep. So anytime you're ready, just let us know. We're here. Yeah, and okay, so guys, we're talking about cuffing season. We're talking about, you know, Christmas, New Year's, that whole month, that whole time. Again, also during that time, we have bowl season. Mm. Cuffing season coincides with bowl season. And we have some pretty interesting news out of college football uh, coming out. You know, first of all, Urban Meyer is going to be calling it quits after his uh, Rose Bowl game uh, with Ohio State. But what do you guys think of the other matchups here? Uh, the you know the rankings are set, the matchups are set, and uh, we have Alabama, Oklahoma, we have Clemson, Notre Dame, other ones out there include you know LSU, UCF, another undefeated UCF season. Uh, what, what what are you guys looking at? What's interesting? What's standing out? Well, so I think LSU UCF is going to be interesting, kind of. But the quarterback being out, I expect LSU to wash uh, UCF. Maybe not wash them, but they'll they'll handle. I don't think Washington-Ohio State's going to be much of a game. Even without Urban Meyer, um, Ohio State should probably smack Washington. I don't think they were very good this year. Um, and then that leaves the the final two here with Notre Dame-Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame's an interesting team because they've had games where they played really well and then games where they haven't. And so it depends on which Notre Dame team shows up. Clemson looks to be on a roll, but again, haven't played anybody. So that's one of the things with that. And leading up to that, 1-4 matchup. I, I know all year everybody, including myself, has said that, you know, Bama's untouchable, Bama's untouchable, but uh, if Tua's not completely healthy, that leaves the door open, and I think if there's ever a type of team that was going to beat Bama this year, it was one that can score, and Oklahoma can do that, because the way I think you beat Bama this year is get into a shootout with them if you can, and then if you're going to get into a shootout and Tua's not 100% healthy, Oklahoma's got a shot. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you pretty much 100% on all those. I'll work from the end and go backwards. The Oklahoma-Alabama, I think, is the most interesting matchup because of what you just said. You know, Oklahoma's got the best offense in the nation. Uh, I think Kyler Murray, I watched him play a lot this year, just checking in all the Big 12 football, and he's just the best player in the nation in my mind. Um, I think 
if they can do a shootout, Oklahoma's defense is awful. You know, like they're mm-hmm. trash. Um, you know, a lot of forty points to Kansas. Uh, they have a chance that they can put up like a decent defensive effort, especially if two is not all there. Although Jalen Hurts certainly played well in the moments he did come in, and I think having two quarterbacks like that that are both obviously have proven they're ready to go at any time gives Bama the slight edge. But I think that one's going to be closer than people think. Clemson Notre Dame, I think, is it could be a really good game. It could also be a trash game. I don't know. Both teams, Clemson, I think, is is you know the ACC isn't too tough in my mind. They don't have a ton of real challenges. Uh, they kind of walked right into it here. Notre Dame. Uh, not convinced ever about a Notre Dame team. I think, you know, USC hung with them in their fragile state this year for a long time. And uh, besides a convincing win against Michigan early, early in the year, there hasn't been one win that really has blown me away. And then um, the other two games, LSU, I think that one, that's not going to be a, a great game. I think because of what you said, USC, UCF losing their quarterback makes it just a little less fun. You don't get the, I guess, full effect from that, but that's how it goes. And then I think Ohio State's been a wax Washington. I don't think that will be close at all yeah well going back to the alabama game um i know you mentioned oklahoma is a worthy opponent you know georgia was also a very worthy opponent there in that last game the one that jalen hurts came in to finish it off and that's exactly the reason why i think alabama is not going to be you know in trouble here because they have they have a guy like jalen hurts who can just come in make the plays be the hero there in the final moments when Tua goes down and you know georgia was a team that had actually given alabama like their toughest game before they they last played like a year ago and they came back. They also gave him a tough game. And then Alabama just has all the weapons, you know, just a, reser- a reserve quarterback who could be a starter on most teams. A-, a great quarterback, Jalen Hurts, comes in there. And I think he can definitely lead that team to victory in this national championship game if Tua can't go. Um, and then you mentioned the LSU-UCF game. I'm actually a little more intrigued in that game because the backup for uh, Milton, uh, yeah, Mackenzie Milton, um, had six touchdowns, Daryl Mack, and that was against Memphis. They were actually losing that game 38-21 to at halftime, and then this dude yeah, has like four throwing, th- throwing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He seems like a pretty capable guy who can lead that team, and I know UCF always has that beef of like, why aren't they in the playoff? They're undefeated. And, you know, they, don't, they obviously don't play the tough, as tough a schedule as LSU, but um, I think there will be a team that is going to be like definitely trying to win this game and continue to you know give, get themselves a national recognition. Um, that was good insight there that you think UCF is going to try to win the game. Well, you know a lot of these a lot of these teams like don't really their players will sit out if they're going to go to the draft and that kind of thing. I think this is a, a a game that really matters to UCF to show as they always try to show that they should belong with the big boys because they never really get that recognition because of their schedule. And I, I guess it's not their fault. I guess the schedule kind of goes well, that, go, which that technically way. is their fault. Yeah, that's they, true. They should be trying to schedule, and I'm sure they are is going to end up scheduling better non-con games, which is what they have to do. Um, it's interesting to go down this line, and, and you have teams like you brought up Georgia, and a lot of people would say that if you're looking at the top four teams in the nation, this isn't it. And I don't know if you guys would agree with that. Do you think that these are the four best teams, or does a team like Georgia, with the two losses, uh, get punished because they had to play Bama in the national or in the SEC championship game? Are these the four best teams in the nation? Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I think I, I think Georgia probably is one of the best four teams in the nation, but this is the system that we've been given, and a two-loss team, especially one that had a chance to get winning in against Alabama the last game of the year, and they lost, you know, as close as it was. That's just kind of what we asked for. So I think Jesse and I in agreement. I know you tweeted out the uh, video explaining why they should go to an eight-playoff system or an expanded system, you know, from, from Gundy there. and so Mike Leach. 
my sorry, my bleach I get all those crazy coaches mixed up. Yeah, um, it's it just seems obvious to me at this point that they at least need to go to eight, and and maybe that should be the end of expansion. I think there's always you know make the argument that once you expand it once, people are going to want to continue to go, but eight just makes sense. It'd give you a chance to get all the best teams in, especially a year like this. And you know, there's always going to be an argument about this or that team when you get to the borderline. Would it be eight or nine or or you know four or five at this point? Um, but I just think it would make it easier to have a game like that where you see a team play so well against the best team in the nation, and then just because they lost, they don't necessarily drop out of the playoff system. Yeah, I think I think an eight or a sixteen. I mean, it makes sense. And you have this huge dead period here. Right where there's after the championship games, the conference championship games, and the start of bowls, where it's like you could fit games in there, and obviously it would be a, uh, those players would be really really tired, and I understand that going into the championship game if that's what they had to do. But like an 18 playoff, you could still have a little break and then do your playoffs, and really there, like you said, there's always going to be that argument so the number nine team is gonna be like we should have been in we should have been in the 10 team should we should have been in but then even if you go to 16 it's gonna be like 17 and 18 are both gonna say we should have been in because they want their shot at it so i agree i think eight is probably like a just a really nice spot for it um but it's always interesting to see because the goal at least what the committee says is the goal is to find the four best teams in college football and put them in the playoff um and you know i think that pretty much everybody agrees here that these probably aren't the four best teams, but on the flip side, you can't really do anything about it. Like, there's no way you could have left out an ACC champion, Clemson, or a Notre Dame team that went undefeated. Well, that's the thing. What do you what do you guys think about championship games in general, conference championship games? Do you think those should be eliminated in favor of an expanded playoff? Because if you have these, like, for example, Georgia comes into this conference championship game, loses to Alabama, and now they have two losses on the year, although a lot of people think that they're one of the four best teams instead of having to play Alabama in that game, why don't they just not have conference championship games and then start the playoffs early? Like you said, there's so much time here, as you said. I think that could be an interesting idea um, because really what is the point of a conference champion? Just to have the banner in your stadium? I mean, there isn't really... People want to see the most exciting playoffs, right? So that's just something I've been thinking about, and I don't know if you guys had an opinion on that. I think you can do both. I think you can have a conference championship, like I said. So last weekend was conference championship weekend. So we have all those, and now we have three four weeks before we're actually going to play another football game and so when you get into those games you still can have a a one week or a two week break and then you start your playoffs and who knows maybe that ends up ending you know in on january probably end on january 9th anyway which is when the national championship tend to be around that eight nine seven range of january so you can have both where you have a conference championship have two weeks off then you go into the playoffs i think you can have both of the 18 playoff like that yeah, I agree. I, I think you would. I'd rather see cuts from the beginning of the season, where you know you you're having Alabama play the little sisters of the poor and things yeah. like that. We don't need that game. Like we know they're going to win. Like obviously, for them, they want to call it a tune-up. But um, you know, maybe a, a football player would never argue than us. But as from a fan's perspective, I think we'd want to see more better games. So it'd be fine losing that one earlier in the year and still being able to have a conference championship and having that be part of the process to get in. And plus, when you get to 8-2, then you have all five power schools would be represented in it because you'd have a conference champion from each, whereas now, in this current system, you have an argument where one conference gets left out every year. Obviously, it's going to be the Pac-12 this year, but they didn't really have a worthy representative. Um, But most years, there's usually a team that's the best, or at least has an argument that they should be in that 
playoff system, and that wouldn't be an issue at eight teams. That and uh, you talk about those weeks in the beginning of the year. You most SEC teams, or maybe not most, but a lot of SEC teams that week before rivalry week are are playing cupcakes too in like week nine. You know, like Bama played Trinity, and I know Trinity they they were tied at halftime. I get it, but those are Citadel. Sorry, Citadel was the team. I think they played Trinity the week before or something dumb like that. So it's like these kind of games. That late in the season, too, you can cut those. You can always find at least one game on every single person's schedule that you can probably cut. Um, for SC, it was only one, really, this year, but we schedule well, you know? What, what do you want about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't play well, but you schedule really well. Um, hey, that'll change soon. Don't worry about hire, that. hire a little well here. What do you, got, what do you think of the, the new guy in town, Jesse? Hey, it's a beautiful, beautiful hire. I know I said it that I wanted him... Uh, to beat when he was it was announced that he was going to get fired I wanted him instead of Clay and to be able to just have him only do offense I think is honestly even better um, so having Cliff uh, we're going to score a lot of points this year boys um, so for me Jesse I wanted to get more you know I, I figured you would like uh, the hiring there it's hard to not like that I think that's just you're getting the best option as an offensive coordinator in the nation now that he's been fired from his coaching job to come in but doesn't it seem to a certain degree, too, it's like, you know, let's say you kind of got this car that isn't, like, uh, functioning properly and it needs a bunch of fixes to it and you just spend a bunch of money on one specific part that doesn't fix the overall machine, you know? Like, what I'm saying essentially is, is you still have Clay Helen at the helm. Like, that hasn't changed. And I think all year we talked about that being the problem, especially late in the year, how poorly they played in a lot of games just overall uh, for the USC standard at least. Um I don't see how this is going to help the defense, how it's going to help the recruiting, how it's going to help the development of players um, besides maybe the ones specifically on offense. But uh, I can tell you how that'll help because yeah, can you enlighten us on that? I'd like to know why you all of a sudden just hiring new offensive coordinator lets Clay Helton off the hook as why we still think he should have lost his job. Oh, I do. I still think that he should have lost his job, but this is a huge hire because this is going to help. I mean, it's going to help everything else because the biggest issues on this team were offensive. So you get to the point, I talked about how they finished games and how they were so poor finishing games. It was the offense wasn't scoring in the second half and they weren't making adjustments. And that's because some of it 100% on Clay to not be able to make those adjustments. But now a lot of that responsibility is going to fall on Cliff, not necessarily on Clay and T. Martin. And that's one big issue that I really wish they would have not done. They did fire T. Martin and when uh, sources were saying he was willing to take um, a demotion and just be the wide receivers coach again, and he's one of our best recruiters. So I think what we should have done was still keep T there, have him be the wide receivers coach, move Cliff in, have him be the OC. But offense helps defense. A lot of the time those defensive points at the end of the game are tough because when the offense isn't scoring, the offense isn't moving the ball, defense is back out on the field so quick and everybody's tired a lot of injuries on that defense as well um Clancy's been a, Clancy Pendergrass has been a pretty good defensive coordinator and I know I've said on this podcast clean house I get that Clancy's been a good defensive coordinator before and I think the offense is going to help the defense out and um you know we're just gonna we're gonna start back over and we're gonna see what happens this year but I think it's gonna be a, a vast difference and a, and a dramatic difference in the positive way for USC because Offense does so many things for the rest of everything. So, do you, are you basically saying that the feelings of you know positivity for this hire kind of outweigh? Because it seemed like there was a lot of USC fans. I mean, you, you Clay, Clay doesn't have to do that much anymore, right? So, even though they brought him back, there's a lot of backlash for that decision. And then now it's kind of like 
this new hire takes the news away from you know Clay's like rehiring, I guess, or they 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 stick by him. A lot of people didn't like that, and now you, like I said, you have this new guy come in. He takes the news away. He takes the spotlight away from Clay, and. Is that is my question? Is are you feeling more positive about the new hire as more of like a, a step in the right direction, or are you more worried that it's more of just like a band aid? No, I think it's a step in the right direction because one thing that I'm seeing a lot and that I I kind of maybe believe, uh, or I, I want to believe it. I we'll see how Lin Swan keeps to back up Clay Helton, but I think they just hired Clay's predecessor. I mm. think eventually Clay's gone and Cliff moves into the head coach position. Mm. Yeah, I could see that making a little more sense. And I kind of like that better getting back. You know, I think as long as he has a good defensive coordinator with him, it doesn't matter because he's just going to take care of that side of the ball. And he's such a great offensive mind. Um, I still don't think in the short term it, it's – I think it'll, they'll be better, but I don't know if it's good enough to get back in the national contention talk. You know, that's what they're trying to do. It kind of just seems weird because USC can have anyone they want in the nation that's available, you know, if uh, – you, there's so many great coordinators out there that could go out there that are kind of waiting for a job like USC to open up. I feel like maybe Cliff is one of those guys, but he obviously couldn't get Texas Tech off the ground and really, really going ever. You know, even with Patrick Mahomes at the helm for a while, um, they didn't so have any defense. Well, I know, but that's he's the head coach. You know, you got to make that happen. That's the thing. It's it's the, you can say it didn't happen, but he didn't do it. You yeah, know, that's the, and he doesn't have to worry about it right now. That's my thing. So, like, I think that, like you said, you have to have a good defensive coordinator. And I do think Clancy, Pen- Clancy Pendergrass is that. Uh, I think he'll be able to handle the defense a lot better with someone like Cliff running the offense and being able to handle that uh, the whole way through. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, obviously USC is. Uh, we'll see how that all goes next year for them. A lot of waiting in that time period. See how the recruiting goes coming up in a couple of weeks here, um, and the playoff games will be fun too. I think it's always good. Bowl season is maybe a little overdone sometimes. You have a lot of bowl games now at this point because every 16 win gets in. Last year we even had a five team win get in, um, but I, I still think it's a great year and it's good to have at least some form of playoff rather than having none like we did before with the BCS. Yeah. So it's definitely an exciting time for college football, but over in the NFL, things are not quite as merry as we head into the holiday season. Lots to discuss here, but we won't spend too much time on it because it's been discussed quite a bit. But Kareem Hunt, obviously, is the latest NFL player to be hit with a just a bad situation, and he was the perpetrator. Another domestic abuser, um, there was a video that was released, obviously, you saw the video kicking and pushing a woman um, back in February, and then now when the video comes out is when he apologizes, and the Chiefs immediately cut him, uh, one of their star players. Sully, you are in Kansas City, and we would like to know what it's like on the ground there involving Kareem Hunt and this whole situation. Yeah, well, I mean, technically, he put himself in that situation, so I think that's the biggest thing there. Um, it's interesting, you know, he wasn't arrested, there's no criminal charge, so I don't know if you can really refer to him as a domestic abuser. Either way, it's obviously something that no one should ever do. Um, I think the interesting part about this, uh, just from a personal perspective and maybe a journalistic perspective, is like when you talk to Kareem Hunt, super quiet, super nice guy from the conversations I had with him, never super loud, you know, pretty low-key. Um, obviously there's a different side to him that we had never seen. Um, but it's, you know, interesting. And I think, you know, that at first people are giving credit to the chiefs for making the move so fast, but a big reason that they cut him was not because of what actually happened. They knew what had happened. 
um, it was because he lied to them. So I don't know if that makes it, it kind of makes it worse and it for me in, in that sense. You know, they didn't they didn't do it because of their actions. They did it because he wasn't completely honest with them. But either way, it's it's like a very on brand NFL thing. You know, just a not knowing how to handle these situations, not being able to, again, having TMZ beat them to getting the video um, for the second time, going back to the Ray Rice thing, having them never ever even seen the video um, until it's leaked by TMZ is like, pretty crazy in my mind. Um, but I guess that's just kind of the state they're in right now. And, uh, you know, I feel a part of me, you know, obviously, as I said, it's like inexcusable. Uh, Kareem Hunt's 23 years old. Um, like the story, I guess, from that night was like, you know, there's two sides to it, but a part of it was like, you know, those girls were calling him the N word and stuff like that. And they were underaged and like had gotten to his room. So they're kicking him out. So it's a lot of he said, she said, but in the end, like you just can't do that stuff. It's never okay. So, um, it's just the NFL stuff, uh, that they don't know how to handle and, and you kind of just move on from it there. And, um, I mean, it's also, you know, as weird enough in that same week was the Redskins signing Ruben Foster. So, um, it, it just kind of shows you where the league is at and Colin Kaepernick is still a free agent. Yeah. The Ruben Foster, uh, I guess is my account here. Um, it's, it's <laughs> just, it's brutal. It's, and I wasn't surprised in the least, which is the sad part because, um, I know Gruden, Jay Gruden loved Ruben Foster coming out of Bama. Um, and so then when it happened that he got released, uh, it was, uh, Oh, here we go. And you kind of you kind of were bracing for it, and then I saw a report that the Browns were getting him, and then the next thing was that nope, nope, uh, we picked him up. Washington picked him up, and it's just it's another thing where it's just ridiculous. It's not just one count of one thing. Like he has so many different examples of things why he should not be in the league: um, domestic abuse and with an assault rifle. Like there's so many just ridiculous things that Ruben Foster has piled up on him. Um, and the fact that the NFL even let him get claimed by someone is is one thing in its own. But the fact that it's, of course, Washington uh, with the terrible nickname as well, um, with the horrific owner, Dan Snyder, is just, um, it, of course, it of course it's Dan Snyder. And so it's one of those things where they are playing this let's wait and see kind of thing. Um, and, you know, they want to they want to do their quote unquote own investigation is what they're saying. And they said that they found things that. Uh, they believe him more than the other things that have come out, um, which is kind of outrageous because it also came out that they did not uh, interview the the woman. So it's like, well, okay, then how was real thorough was your investigation? Um, and then the same team that is on their third string quarterback right now and has just come out even after the injury to Colt McCoy um, and said that they are not going to sign cap for, quote, strictly football reasons. Yeah, it's like, you know, Jesse, you're a Skins fan. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesse, like you're a Skins fan. And obviously, like you have admitted that you are, you know, have ties to that team. And I'm sure in Kansas City, Sully, there are lots of Chiefs fans who, you know, really like that team. And then to have this black eye on their team by, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, what he's done, it just kind of goes in the pattern of what a lot of NFL players have done. And a lot of teams and fans uh, have to kind of grapple with this and for us I know it's like something that I've been kind of thinking about where it's like we we love this league you know we always have our locks and upsets and you know, like fantasy football and we always play and I can, I'm going to continue to like the NFL but at the same time it's like we, we are liking a, a league that you know has so many issues like this and I don't know like do you guys ever feel like 
kind of bad for liking the NFL because I know I do at, at some points, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to boycott the NFL because I'm I'm going to play fantasy football next year, and that's just like what's going to happen. Would do you guys have any th- thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean that it's obviously something that crosses your mind when you're watching the game. You kind of escape that part of it, but from the national anthem to how people treat concussions to how little they care about the athletes to all the off-field issues, it's hard to escape that part of the league. So um, it's a weird time to be a football fan, I guess, and uh, maybe it's just a better time to watch college football. Although they have their own certain set of issues with all their coaching crap and and the lack of paying players. So football in general is uh hard when you can't escape the realities outside of the field yeah and it's tough i think i think the the game itself is obviously very violent and there are those issues that come with it and i just think that the the organizations running these leagues are trash i don't think there's anything wrong with the game necessarily but the way that like you talked about before both of you is that the way that the nfl handles these situations is mind-numbingly terrible like i don't understand like you said how how these videos get out before they get them or um, how all these kind of things happen and then the ncaa are corrupt they just have so many issues of their own so it's like these organizations that run this game are terrible but i i the game itself is something that i love yeah it's like it depends on how you look at it because for me i feel like it's okay to enjoy watching a football game and also at the same time be upset at what kareem hunted you know there are some people out there who are saying who say you can't have both and it's like if you're watching football then you don't support women or whatever it may be but i don't think that's necessarily true i think it's depending on like who's t- talking about it but for us i think as we've just discussed you know we can have an opinion about um, if if we think our like Monday night football game is going to win us our fantasy football matchup. That's like something we can talk about. At the same time, we can also talk about how like as you said, it's mind-numbingly terrible decisions by some of these teams. And I think those two can coexist, but it's definitely something that's like as you said, so it makes it very a very odd time to be a football fan. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. At least when it comes down to it, we can all agree that the magic of watching Mark Sanchez play quarterback once again is a unifying experience in hilarity. And uh, Jesse, what was your reaction to having your famed Sanchez time back on the field? I'm going to, I'm, I mean, you know me, I was honestly pumped. You know, like, of course, I think Colt McCoy, I think Colt McCoy is a better quarterback right now, but I don't, people kill Mark Sanchez. They, they just roast him endlessly because of the butt fumble. And that's really the only thing that they have. Like, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. But he's not as bad as everyone on social media and everybody likes to roast him for. Like, he is a serviceable quarterback. Um, and so I, I felt okay having him in the game. And they stayed, they were able to compete for that whole game, uh, essentially, until the very, very end um, when it kind of fell apart there. And I don't think Sanchez looked that bad. Um, especially for only being on the team for less than 14 days. So you're going to let him get more of a hold of the offense. Um, and not not to mention, his first play was a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with you on that. Obviously, the first play was not a throwing touchdown, right? So Still a touchdown. It's still a touchdown. I guess you're right. But either way, uh, Sanchez, I don't think, is a serviceable quarterback because the reason he was a third string, essentially, and it took two broken legs to get to him. Um, but either way, I think it's funny. He did have the butt recovery this time, which yep. I thought was impressive. Staying on brand for the Sanchez name. 
Um, and just the Sanchez is a great nickname. It makes me laugh every time now that, you know, the reality, you know, it was a, maybe a serious nickname when he was drafted so long ago. Um, Back-to-back AFC championship games. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't, you know, some, I watched this comedian earlier today and he was talking about people just trash Guy Fieri for no good reason. Like there's all these great things. And it's super nice and does everything for everyone, but people just roast him online. And Mark Sanchez gets that same treatment that maybe – I don't think he's that good of a quarterback, but he certainly hasn't played like a tr- – you know, Nathan Peterman was a quarterback for much longer than Mark Sanchez was for certain times in the last couple of years. Um, he doesn't maybe deserve that treatment, but the butt fumble is an iconic play. And once you get something like that, you know, it's just social media is going to run with it, so – um, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, there are um, lots of guys like that who, you know, they're only known for one little thing, and they're or they're or they're like a hyped prospect that never really pan out, but they always are attached to some sort of incident or play. And I think this is a perfect example. Also, having the nickname Sanchez probably adds to that a little bit. Um, but yeah, as you said, it is what it is. Uh, the skins are, you know, now six and six, kind of fading there, but they also have had a lot of injuries, as you know. Um, most the, in the league. Most in the league. Yeah. So as. So, then them fading. How about those Cowboys, Jess? I know you wanted to hear it, right? Uh, did not want to hear that. Um, I, I'll tell you, I was, I was gone. I was like, I was at a basketball game when uh, they were playing the the Saints, and uh, I had a, the other, one of the other coaches for varsity. I we're getting back to the gym, right? And uh, we're walking in the gym, and the assistant coach for varsity is a Cowboys fan, and he sees me, and the first thing he does is untuck his polo, his Marinos polo, and lift his shirt up. And it's just a shirt that says, how about them Cowboys? And I was like, <laughs> I said, wait a minute, did they win? And he goes, yeah. And I was, I, I honestly did not believe him. I had to go check my phone because I didn't, he told me every single, like, he kept repeating himself. And I was like, I just don't believe you. And so the, the Cowboys, I don't know how they did that. Again, I didn't, I'm not going to bring myself to go watch that game. Um, 13-10, defensive battle. The fact that they were able to hold Drew Brees to 10 points, that's just absurd. Um, but... In true, true cowboy fashion, I would 100% believe that they will find a way to mess this season up and not make the playoffs. Well, for me, I am very happy that the Cowboys are winning. I'm sorry, Jesse, because that means they, when they, when they beat the Saints, that means the Saints now have one less loss than the Rams, and that has pretty big uh, NFC playoff implications as long as the Rams can win out here. Of course, this weekend against the Bears will be tough. But, uh, yeah, the Cowboys, I think, are surprising everybody. Um, the defense has been there, but, you know, their offense is looking solid now. You know, Mari Cooper has definitely played well for them since the uh, acquisition. And, you know, they're, they're in a playoff spot right now, but it, it remains to be seen. I just thank them for giving that Saints that second loss. Now it's up to my Rams to kind of keep it going here and hold on to that one seed. Um, they're going into Chicago. Uh, it remains to be seen if Mitchell Trubisky is going to play in that game. But, um, of course, I'm going to take the, Ra- the Rams here. I-, I like how they're playing. They, you know, they've recovered nicely from, from that loss to the Saints, and they've uh, played well. Uh, Tlaib is back. Um, unfortunately, Cooper Cup was injured, but on the, I think after the last time we spoke, so that's kind of a blow. But they're still you know, doing pretty well. And um, moving over to the Vikings, Sully, uh, unfortunately, there before, was— Before we go, and I want to do a quick before we do locks and upsets— this yeah. seems to be the game of the week. Bears, Rams. How are we feeling? Let's let's all make picks here. Rams or Bears? Well, uh, well first up, before we get into that, Mitch Trubisky will play. They said about an hour ago that he practiced full today, and so uh, that okay. should be go for him coming back from that right shoulder injury. So you can go from there. Nick, I'd love to hear your pick first off, although I think I know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not going to make this a lock or anything because it is in Chicago, and the Bears have been playing extremely well. What'd you say? 
I said you're scared. Last week I made the Vikings my lock and my upset because I, I just am a savage. Well, you know, that's why you're not winning the pool, uh, the locks and upsets uh, standings right now. So maybe you should reconsider yeah. your decisions there. And while still supporting your team, as we I do. You feel better somehow. We trash you all the time. We can't just have you lose every single thing we try in. Well, as I said, I'm not losing. I'm actually winning. I'm two games ahead of you, Sully. So you're going to have to step your game up here. It's getting down to the nitty gritty. At the end of the corn dog, hot dog debate, you got last place for the BDE poll. We got to <laughs> Well, I'm confident in my picks this week, and I'm going to take the Rams there. Uh, but again, I'm just going to be realistic here. It's not going to be a lock pick because the, the Bears, I respect them. They're a good team. Their defense is really good, and it should be a great matchup. So what are you thinking, Rams or Bears? I know you're um, impartial to kind of both of these teams. I know you don't dislike the Rams, but obviously you don't want to see Nick's team win. And then you got the Bears on the other side, which is NFC North. You don't want to see them win. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, and weirdly enough, this year, although you know I love Los Angeles and everything about it, Rams and their fans like Nick have really just been getting on my nerves. You know, for reasons I've talked about throughout the year, just kind of you know most of them hadn't been fans for more than two or three seasons, <laughs> maybe even not until they got good. You know, it's such a bandwagon team. When they played, you know, for example, they played the Chiefs at the Coliseum, and the Chiefs had more fans there than them. That's uh, from um, so they're a, lucky they're such a great team. Anya, say it again. Uh, from a source in the stadium at Chiefs Rams, a, a Chiefs fan source in the stadium. I don't want to mention his name because it's a horrific name. Um, but no. he actually did say there was more Rams fans in there. So I know, but even the fact that it was close. I mean, you're just telling me that that he said it was like seventy thirty. Okay, yeah, let's Sully, Sully, settle down. Sully, you need to settle down for a second. I need to say something because we, you, you know, you tried to make this argument a few weeks back. You know. As you know, I did not have a football team before the Rams moved to L.A. They came to L.A. I accept. You're a bandwagon Rams fan. It's okay. We can move on. I I still am going to pick the I watched the the Hard Knocks. I went to a theater to watch the Hard Knocks when Jeff Fisher was the feature uh, guy in that that production. I was there when they lost their last 11 games of that season and remained a fan. When the Chargers came to L.A. and they seemed like a better team, I stuck by the Rams. And, you know, I've been rewarded by being a good Rams fan. I went through the dark season. That's my first season. <laughs> one year, dude. You can't talk about this stuff. You're a bandwagon fan. I'm not so a bandwagon okay. fan. Um, I just accepted yeah, them into LA. This is my thing. This is my thing with with the with the LA fan scenario. In in defense of LA fans, it's either every single one of them essentially under the age of 35 are bandwagon fans, or that none of them are. Like you can't. I I understand having a team move to your city that you don't have a team in and then accepting them as your team. That is completely understandable in my mind. And then it just so happened that in their second season here, they played very well. Yes. I'll give him that. The other part of it is like, you, you, I think that if that's what it is, you should have been a, a, a fan of uh, a, a big fan of football and, and not to say that you weren't, but it's just, it's something where I wouldn't consider Rams fans, bandwagon fans necessarily. If you're under third, like, over 35, 40 or whenever the last time they were here, and then they come back, that's acceptable to continue being a fan or if you stuck with them through St. Louis. Let's let's think about this. Uh, Let's think about this. So it's bandwagon in my mind because Nick wasn't a football fan before and then just decided to become an NFL fan after that. I will say he wasn't not a football fan and just maybe not as big a fan as everyone else. Yes. He enjoyed it slightly, whatever you want to call it. Nick, what year were you born? 1992. 
That's weird because the Rams were in LA in '92 and '93. So if you'd been a Ram fan since birth, you, you could have been like, "Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd give you that." But so you like, know that doesn't count. Don't. No, yeah. What about? I'm, I'm saying so. His parents weren't NFL fans or anything like that. Well, I'm pretty sure. Born. I'm pretty sure they played in Anaheim at, at that time, and I'm pretty sure my brain wasn't fully developed to you know retain memory by the time the Rams were still in LA before they left to St. Louis. So um, we're gonna scrap that. That's a terrible yeah, argument yeah. in this in this I situation. Know you guys were, we're Lakers fans since birth. I know I've been a Vikings. Fan since birth. I'll, I'll fully admit that I was a Laker fan when the three-peat happened because I was like eight years old and they were a good team and I and I they were my hometown team and I wasn't a fan of like the Knicks fan XL Lakers I didn't follow basketball at that point but when the Lakers were good I will fully admit that I jumped onto that bandwagon I guess but it's not quite a bandwagon because I'm from the city again the Rams came to my city I was a football fan and now the, the Rams have enhanced my fandom of football I, I think if Rams the Rams fan. if the Rams were were here when we were like seven years old and seven or eight, and and then you have, they, then they move away, and then they came back, and if when they moved away, you left, you weren't a Rams fan, and then they came back, and you were again, you know, maybe sure we can have that argument, but it, they left in '93. You can't really have that argument. '94, but yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. It's just that's just my opinion. Anyway, I, speaking it, of, speaking of arguments, how about Bill Belichick and Adam Thielen there, Sully? I, so I guess you didn't want my pick, Nick, because that... No, that, I don't want your pick. I do. I would like your pick, silly. <laughs> I think the Rams are going to win. Um, but uh, big of you. I still think Nick is a bandwagon fan, and he doesn't deserve any success. But going to what you want to talk about, <laughs> Thielen and Belichick. Um, yeah, I mean, Thielen is probably the toughest dude in the league from Minnesota, in my mind. So uh, uh, that's pretty much all i got to say about it. Uh, I don't know. It's Belichick is a, is a, is a big old meanie, so... Adam Thielen stood up to him, and that just shows he's a, a tough Minnesotan, like they all are. You know, they survive those cold weather winters. Uh, you know, he's been growing out his beard all year, so he's just a rough and tumble dude. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you wouldn't stand up to him, I know that, Nick. Jesse might, because he's a tough guy, but uh, that's because he's been a football fan his whole life, and he's got that ingrained, uh, that football guy mentality. Yeah, I'm not going to really continue this argument, but uh, I will move over to some other NFC. I, I think we can, yeah keep it in the keep it in the NFC North. Yeah, um, one of your other rivals there, Sully, the Packers fire Mike this McCarthy. Joyous conversation to have. I I think it was a big mistake that they fired Mike McCarthy. I would have signed him to a life contract. Uh huh. So that kind of backs up the opinion that it was the right move to fire them. Fire no, him. no, no, no. It was a mistake. They needed to keep him around. Just keep him going on the same path that they're on right now. Taking a home L to the Cardinals, that's just primetime Packer football. I don't think they should have ever changed that. Mm. See, a lot of people in uh, Green Bay might disagree with you. I, well, those, those folks don't matter in my mind. I mm. think they should have just kept rolling with McCarthy. Uh, you know, uh, the only coach, uh, one of two coaches ever to be fired mid-season after winning an organization at a Super Bowl. Uh, it's an impressive feat, I guess, but uh, you know another Packer record, I guess. Yeah, also a very impressive feat to lose to the Cardinals at home there, uh, and he gets fired right after the game, which is it's usually you wait until the next morning, but he got that axe like that night too, right after the press conference. Yeah, I feel he, like so. The Lane Kiffin about you know not even getting off the airplane. So. Yeah, I enjoyed the. Uh, I saw one person say I can can't credit them. I don't remember who it was on Twitter. It said you know for a small fee, uh, you know it's tough that. McCarthy's got fired, but for a small fee, he can just upgrade to owner. <laughs> exactly, right? Him and Joe could be simultaneous <laughs> owner in front of the pod, Joseph Natalizio, uh, Ole Miss Medical, uh, <laughs> Dr. Joe, whatever you want to call him. Uh, an owner of the Packers won one millionth of the sliver that they get in, so uh, that would be nice. Only the Packers, you know, haven't he used their fans to, to 
get the revenue going rather than beyond just buying tickets, the chance to buy into the team for $75 or whatever, the biggest scam in America just shows you the kind of organization that green Bay is. Uh, I just, again, a mistake to fire McCarthy in my mind should have let him at least coach three to 19 more seasons. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Now, before we move on to our locks and upsets, just quick thoughts on this firing. Is this, in terms of the Packers' outlook, now that he's now that McCarthy's gone and Aaron Rodgers is kind of like, you know, can he continue this play? Is Aaron Rodgers fading a little bit and people don't want to talk about it? Or is this more of like an overall general coaching problem that the Packers seem to be struggling? That's, uh, a- that's tough. I, I don't think he's he's fading at all. I would say it's definitely more coaching and that's why they made the choice. Um, I just think that the Packers haven't had a really good defense in like a couple seasons. Um, they don't have a ton of weapons offensively besides, uh, uh, wide receiver who I have on my fantasy team. That Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, you know what? Letting Jordy Nelson go wasn't the worst move just because of where he wasn't his career, but they haven't really done anything to replace him. Um, well, I also think that I think that Jordy and I think that the the, the weapons that you put or they've put around Aaron Rodgers aren't weapons until they get there. Like, what did Jordy Nelson really do this year? I know he got hurt, but even when he was playing, wasn't very effective. Um, and, and that's the way that these greatest of all time quarterbacks, you know, Rodgers and even uh, Peyton Manning to an extent, but then you know Tom Brady, they've made guys with the exception of Randy Moss, they've made guys players. Like they've been the reason that these wide receivers get a name is because like we wouldn't I, I really truly believe that we wouldn't really know anything about Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson if they didn't have that time with Aaron Rodgers. And so if they were able to if that I think it's completely on ownership um and the coaching to put guys around him. They don't really have an offensive line either. So it's like what they're doing is throwing out a somewhat injured, a hundred percent, not a hundred percent Aaron Rodgers. They're just throwing him on the field and say go win 11 games and take us to the playoffs. And that's not very easy to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I partially agree with that. You know, Devontae Adams has always had been around a good quarterback. He obviously was uh, at Fresno state with uh, Derek Carr. So he's had a dude with him the last decade, basically at this point. Well, didn't, I think, I think Devontae Adams like left and came back and didn't do anything when he left. And then when he came back again, back with Aaron Rodgers and he's producing again. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. You know, I think he is, especially Brady, you know, obviously he's turns freaking lacrosse players into good wide yeah. receivers. That's enough to be said. I still do think Adams is a good receiver. I think Jordy Nelson has been good. He's just old now, literally just kind of past his prime. Um, Brady does that better than anyone else, but still this year, you know, the Packers were uh, a drive away from beating the Rams in Los Angeles uh, and all, in front of all their, uh, you know, bandwagon fans. It was just Ty Montgomery fumbling a ball that really gave the game away. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's tough in that sense to say that they haven't had a chances to win this year. Um, you know, they tied the Vikings and the Vikings hadn't had a crazy fourth quarter comeback. They would have beaten them at home. Um, a lot of little things that didn't go the Packers and now eventually McCarthy's away. And that's kind of ended up where you ended up because you're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. He's going to get it over McCarthy. So that's kind of, they had to do something, I guess. Yeah, the reason I asked that question is because I've been hearing some rumblings on Twitter and you know, on podcasts about how like the question is being asked, like, is Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers is like the beginning of the end? And I don't really want to go that far at all. I, I want to give him the proper respect that he's due because, as you said, Jesse, he is playing hurt. And the team around him, you know, 
isn't all that great, uh, especially on offense. And so what he's been able to do these past few years has been pretty amazing. And I mean, going forward, maybe there was just, and maybe there did need to be a change of scenery somewhere. And maybe that that's why McCarthy got the fall. And maybe perhaps going forward with a new energy, a new atmosphere, a new surroundings, a new coach, things could be different for the Packers. Obviously, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year because it's just been, it's no, just, they're done. It's done for them. But uh, I just want to make clear that I don't think Rodgers is like getting washed or anything. I think it's just the situation maybe ran its course and. He can be just fine next year if they add just make a few little uh, moves there. I do have them beating the Falcons this week, and I think that can lead us nicely into our uh, locks and upsets uh, going forward for Week 14. Now, you guys, uh, Jesse's probably out of the race here, uh, just like the Packers. Completely but, disagree with that statement. Sully, you know, you're two games back and failed to make any ground here, and uh, I'll let you start off with your locks and upsets to see if you can make uh, any moves here to catch me in these fa- past few weeks. I love how much you're enjoying being in the league. You know, it's a true sign of never really having won anything in your life. You get so worked up about these kind of things. Um, for me, I think my ups of this week, once again, is going to be the Vikings on the road in Seattle. Uh, you know, it's a must win for the uh, Skull Nation there. So I feel like we're going to go in there and get it done against a, a Seattle team that's been trending upward lately. You know, Russell Wilson really showing that. Maybe all those years when they were really good, it was a little bit more than just a great defense. I think he's kind of carried them single-handedly this year. Um, And then my lock will be uh, the Chiefs back home against the Ravens. Uh, The Chiefs are undefeated at home this year. They just play incredibly at Arrowhead. They haven't really even had a close game, I guess, but uh, uh, that's what I'm going to go with this week. That Chiefs-Ravens game is going to be really fun. I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson yet to lose as quarterback of the Ravens, and the Ravens, uh, when when you look at points, I believe they're leading the league in least points allowed. Um, I know it's them and the Bears are both up there. Um, so I know the Bears have the most points scored on a defense, but I think the Ravens have the least points allowed. Um, that's a very good defense, a top three defense in the NFL. So that's going to be a fun game. You know, that high-powered offense versus uh, one of the best defenses in the league. And Lamar, you know, let's see let's see what the he's Chief, got. The Chiefs defense is going to have to do something about Lamar because they couldn't really do much about that Raiders offense last week, and they were able to squeak out that win because they have good, you know, offensive firepower there. But they, the Raiders actually made the Chiefs work last week, which is going to make this game very interesting indeed. Yeah, I'm looking at that, uh, but I'm not going to go ahead and call that my upset. My upset this week, uh, you know, Washington is in turmoil down to the Sanchez, but the Sanchez is going to come through this week um, uh, as surprisingly as the Giants are favored by three and a half um, against Washington. So I'm going to go ahead and take that as my upset. Um, So then we're going to go along to my lock and the Chargers handle business against the just spiraling Bengals. Um, the Bengals are, have been <laughs> horrific um, in the last eight weeks or so. So um, no A.J. Green, I don't think, and no Andy Dalton for the rest of the year. So I, I feel pretty safe in saying the Chargers are going to take care of business there. Yeah, I'm with you there, Jesse. That is also my lock. Um, the Bengals, you know, they had a promising start to the season, but it all fell apart. A lot of you know, Worst in- defense in the league. Yeah, injuries, <laughs> in defense, just they're not the team that same team anymore. And the Chargers are definitely trending up. A very impressive win in Pittsburgh uh, last week. Um, stay tuned for a little shout-out in the end of this episode. And then my upset, um, I'm going to go with the Dolphins at home against the Patriots. The Dolphins always seem to play well against the Patriots there. They're seven-point underdogs, and I think... Um, you know, the Patriots have been winning games, but they haven't been pretty. They haven't been all that impressive. And, uh, you know, they barely squeaked past the Jets. And I think the Dolphins are a team that always has their number, so I'm going to just uh, continue that trend here and say the Dolphins are going to go down and uh, – or 
welcome the Patriots down and beat them in Miami. The, the, yeah, no, we're not gonna. Uh, we can we can cut that. I know you're gonna say I misspoke, and the, the I, have, gonna I was not even gonna touch that. I was gonna talk about how the fact that the Patriots were up like 17 for most of the game against the Jets, so I wouldn't call it a barely squeaking by. Yes, well, Nick, you know he's a big football fan. It's weird that he got that wrong. I can't believe it. I'm really shocked over here. I'm they, that gonna... that game was pretty close for a while in the first half. The, oh, yeah, the Patriots eventually pulled away in the first half. That's a great way to. It's you know, the Jets though. That shouldn't be ever close. Say it again. I said it's the Jets. It should never be ever close if you're the Patriots. I don't know, man. You never really know. You're the football expert, though. You know, you've liked it for so long. You're such a dedicated fan for such a long time. I, I shouldn't question you on that. I guess. Yeah, the um, nine, the nine and three Patriots, not not playing well. Yeah, there you go. Really great pick there. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I think going back to that Rams Bears matchup is going to be great. One, if they could both lose, I'd love that. But I, I don't think that's possible. So maybe a tie would work out for us. Either way, we got to help the Vikings out. You guys know that. I think that's what it's all about. Everyone is agreement on that. Disagree completely because we might have to fight for a wild card spot with you. Uh, well, you would. Good luck with that for your uh, organization. You back them. You wear their jerseys. I do. Although it is Clinton Portis usually, so it's not that bad. Or Sean Taylor. All righty. This shit right here for my oodles and noodles, babies. His mom smoked crack while she was pregnant, so he can't even help that he crazy. He going to jail, it's inevitable. For real. Ain't had nobody to give me no hope. Oh, my mama ain't so doing no coke. I used to there. Uh, we'll move on to another topic. Uh, the MLB, my favorite topic here. It's the off season, but the stove is hot. The stove is very, very hot. And, you know, the breaking news we'll get to in a moment is that Paul Goldschmidt is now a member of the Cardinals. And that's going to affect our Dodgers, of course. But let's talk a little bit about those Dodgers because something that certainly is polarizing that broke across the Twitter sphere in the last couple days. Dave Roberts finally getting that extension that was rumored a couple months ago, four years through 2020. Um, guys, what's your initial reaction to that? I think a lot of people are split on this. The two sides are really, you know, he's, you know, the first manager since Tommy Lasorda to get us back to a World Series in multiple years. Tommy Lasorda, in fact, himself lost back-to-back World Series when he is the manager. On the other hand, he didn't make some of the best moves with the pitching staff during the postseason. Uh, he was, you know, uh, flamed on Twitter for that repeatedly uh, and beyond. But what are your feelings about having Doc for another four years? I tend to land on uh, the first side of things. What you said is that this Dodger team that we've seen the last three years under Doc has been the most successful team of my lifetime. And now that emotions have kind of cooled after the World Series, you can kind of take a, a wider look at what this team has accomplished. And although they have lost back-to-back World Series, they've also been to back-to-back World Series, and that's kind of where I'm standing. Um, Doc, uh, Dave Roberts is a third-year manager. He's only been a manager for three years, which means he has a lot to learn. And I think that the last World Series is a perfect example of what he can look back on and learn from what he did there and probably what he did wrong there. Um, But when it's all said and done, um, he has a great relationship with the players. Everyone seems to like him. This team is good. This team is going to be a competitor again in 2019. And I personally wouldn't want anybody else to be managing this team in 2019 than Dave Roberts. That was my thing, kind of, where it's like, who else was out there that would have been better? I mean, sure, there may be a name or two, but I'm sitting here and I'm saying, all right, well, we went to -to back-to-back World Series, and like you said, we have another team that can get there back again. We'll we'll have to do some work in the offseason, but it's a long offseason and we'll be able to do it. I don't know. I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with it, honestly. I don't think it's not like we gave him like a, a lifetime. We didn't give him a 15-year, you know, deal. It's just four years, and um, there's always the possibility to fire him if we really need to. 
Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but also you just have, looking at it, Clayton Kershaw at the end of his prime, Justin Turner isn't getting any younger. Um, you do have that young core around Seeger and Bellinger, um, but there is certainly a ticking clock for this Dodgers team, and I think they've done a better job of revamping the system. You know, you have Urias, you have Verdugo, you have guys waiting in the wings and the minors to come up to, but you never know if those guys are going to be as good as the guys we have now. So I think it does come down, you know, obviously the rumor was that Magic Johnson was right, meeting with uh, Bryce Harper in Vegas, which I guess was uh, this. Uh, yeah, uh, not t- tough one there for Jeff at Yahoo. Magic said it wasn't true, yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick takes an L by an extension for his Yahoo boy there. Which, <laughs> sorry for your loss there, Nick. But uh, Jeff, oh, we like Jeff, so it's okay. Um Beyond that, I, I don't know. I think if you said it just as like, who would you rather have? And I don't know if there's a guy that the Dodgers would rather have right now. Um, if I could manage, I'd be, I'd be, uh, I would put myself above Dave Roberts. Um, but that's just me, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm mm-hmm. fine with Dave Roberts for the time being. At times, it feels like you could put a robot in there and they would do the same thing and, and literally just go by what the numbers are telling you. I think he needs to manage with a little more guts. Um, especially in the postseason, but uh, this year's another chance to do it. And, you know, the Dodgers are still up in that top five of favorites to get back to the, the World Series. So, you know, I think the team's going to be just as good. And whether they sign or don't sign Bryce Harper, they've got their work cut out for them because Philadelphia is going to be a lot better. Um, obviously, the Cardinals just got a whole lot better getting Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. And uh, we can go on to that now, I think, uh, what do you guys think this trade does for the Dodgers? Personally, um, I tweeted this out. It's fantastic. The Dodgers, they're not going to have to face Goldschmidt 20 times a year, but we always seem to play the Cardinals at some point, and I think that we're headed for that again, is that having to face them in the playoffs, especially now with Goldschmidt on that team. It's a pretty nasty lineup. Yeah, even with Goldschmidt on the Diamondbacks these past few years, the, the West has been you know pretty not very competitive. I mean, the Dodgers have won that six years in a row, and now Diamondbacks, are, re- Diamondbacks are rebuilding. The game 163 is pretty competitive. Because that, That's because the Dodgers were underperforming. The Dodgers should not have gotten to 163. That's on the Dodgers. I don't think the division is all that good. The Rockies you know, got swept by the Brewers. That's a team the Dodgers beat. The Diamondbacks are going to be rebuilding. The Giants are rebuilding. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's not competitive, but I get what you're the, saying. The, the, the Padres, I would say, as weird as it sounds, are going to be the next best team in that division, probably in about two years I, I could see them you know they have a lot of young talent on that team so to get to the question about Goldschmidt leaving I think it only helps the Dodgers um as he goes to the Cardinals though it's like Goldschmidt always Goldschmidt seems like he's always going to be a nemesis for the Dodgers now because um the Cardinals obviously has have that history with the Dodgers and they were a competitor in the wild card race this year with the Dodgers um they had that big four game series in St. Louis where the Dodgers took care of business but they had some. They had also some very young talent like Jack Jack Flaherty, Harrison Bader, who you know were in consideration for Rookie of the Year. Obviously, they didn't get it. Uh, Ronald Acuna was deserving. Juan Soto was deserving. But the Cardinals are going to be back. They're a team that is always pretty good, and um, it's going to be tough to see him not leave the National League. And um, and as you said, like even the East, even the East is going to be good this year uh, with the trade that the Mariners made. Uh, the Mets look a little bit better there with the the Edwin Diaz going there, and then. Yeah, that was a trash trade. <laughs> we can, we can talk. Like, we can talk about it. I thought the Mets won that trade, but we can discuss that if you want. I, I, I would agree with you on that. I think the Mets won, but I don't think they're any better than the Braves, any better than the Phillies, or now with the Nationals even getting Patrick Corbin, 
it could be one of those things where you know you lose Bryce, but that makes everyone else stronger. And if they can add a couple good pieces for the money they're going to pay him, um, not to say that they can't re-sign him, but uh, I think the Nationals will be better with Corbin there too. Um, getting Robinson Cano at the end of his career is great. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think he helps over whatever they had at second base last year. Um, Edwin Diaz, maybe the best closer in the American League last year, another member of my fantasy team. Um, but if you can't get to the end of the game without a lead, that doesn't even matter, you know? So uh, obviously I think that trade helps them. The Mariners are in such an, an implosion trading everyone away from Paxton to those two guys to now probably Gene Segura as well, maybe even D. Gordon later this fall. Um, it's a weird time for them, but that's all. So just what Jerry Depoto does, he's the the trade god. Yeah, trade master. Yeah. I, I also, uh, the Mets though. I mean, they still have those starting pitching. You know, like Degrom just won uh, Cy Young. Uh, Syndergaard, if he's healthy, they have other starters who, if they're healthy, they could be have a very formidable rotation. Like you said, they just need to get that uh, bridge to the bullpen, which they might be able to do. And then the offense, you know, like Conforto, Cano. It's like it's like not terrible, but uh, if you have those starters and that and that closer, that's kind of half the battle. You just got to figure out the other part. And in that division, I think they can be a competitor. Um, but yeah, the Mariners. I don't know what they're doing because they're a team that's consistently won like eighty to eighty nine games. They've been a solid, good team every year. It's just unfortunate that they're in the division with the Astros and. I think they just decided, you know what, we're never, we're not going to beat the Astros, despite you know we're almost a ninety win team. We're just not good enough. We're good but not good enough. So they decided to go the route of the Astros of old and the Cubs of old, kind of tanking to rebuild that way, and it worked out for the Astros and the Cubs. So I think that might be what the Mariners are doing. But I don't know if their prospects like Hall is all that enticing from what I've read about them. So. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Mariners, um, but I'm excited for this next week of uh, winter meetings to get going and more trades, hopefully. And now it's time for What the Puck. What the Puck? What the Puck? And we were talking about the Mariners just now, and, uh, you know, we're big hockey guys over here at What the Puck. Obviously, we have a whole segment about hockey, and that kind of proves that Seattle is getting a team and I believe what three years four years um, they're gonna go ahead and get themselves an expansion team and I'm excited personally I mean you you saw what uh, hockey did for Vegas uh, took over the town they even went to the Stanley Cup finals to go ahead and lose to the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals that's right all caps all day baby but um, I'm excited Seattle's getting a team it's not quite a basketball team yet which is what they really should have um, but Hockey, it's a good start. And I know, I know you're a big hockey guy, Jesse, and we do appreciate the work you did going up to Seattle and scouting out the land for the new mm-hmm. arena and everything and talking to, talking to the you know council members up there about the stadium. And uh, What was your time like up there? I know you went to Drake, but you were also there to kind of scout about this new hockey team. Yeah, there's a lot of good places uh, that they, are, they could put this hockey team, and, I, and they found one place that they are going to put it. Um, and that would be my uh, conclusion. And it was really good to talk to the people of Seattle. Um, and they seem to be excited for all their sports and now hockey. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hockey guys, it's hard to not be excited that that franchise, the 32nd franchise for the NFL, will begin in the 2021 22 season. And I know a friend of the pod, Gary Bettman, who also happens to be the NHL commissioner, got to be very excited about that. Um, he said the city has got a proud hockey history. That includes being the home for the first American team to ever win the Stanley Cup. Um, I don't really know what that means. Uh, you know, I'm not a big history guy. I'm just a hockey guy. Mm. So we'll leave it at that. But what I want to know from you two guys, 
what would you name the team? My uh, initial thought, you know, maybe it's a little cheesy. Seattle Rain, you know, uh, and you mm-hmm. can even spell it like you would do, like the reign of a king. But I still think it's a funny play on words because it rains up there. You know, it rains. Jesse, I've never heard that. That is one thing that it does do up there is it does rain. And from my experiences in Seattle, uh, I've had multiple now in the past probably year and a half here. I've been up there twice. Uh, another thing that I noticed about Seattle is that it's cold. So I might go with the Seattle freeze. Ooh. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Do you have anything on top there? I didn't have anything on top, but I liked that freeze, and I was trying to get something that started with an S, so I'm just going to go with the Seattle Steez. All right. Uh, well. Nick's that... trying to root again. Last couple ones I get in there is the Seattle Outlook, uh, named after Microsoft Outlook. That was started up there. As well as the Seattle Venti or Grande, mm. uh, really any of the Starbucks sizes, because I think that would work too. The Seattle Sweet Teas, the Seattle, Seattle Coffee Sweet Roasters, and definitely not Steez though. Uh, roasters would be pretty good. The Roasters, Ooh, Roasters, I like that. Roasters, like that. yeah, and they'll, they'll be great on social media as well. Seattle Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, the, the Seattle Pin Needles. I got one, and this one just came off the top of my head. Um, the Seattle. Supersonics. Mm, that's a good one. Too soon, too soon. But hey, guys, if you're listening to this episode, please tweet us your thoughts on what the Seattle hockey team should be named. We will uh, pass that along to our friend of the pod, Gary Bedman, as Jesse, uh, I mean, as Sully mentioned. But um, thank you for that uh, wonderful update, Jesse. We appreciate it. And that has been What the Puck. What the Puck. What the Puck. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. The fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swan, it's been a while, so tell us what you got. Man, so I, I was really excited to bring this one to you. I had it about a week and a half ago, or a week ago, I think, uh, as Bobby Schmurda would say. And um, it's funny because, well, first I'll tell you what it is. It's KFC just brought out chicken and waffles. Yeah, and one of the funny things about this specific thing, for me at least, and, and for some of you that I live in Pasadena um, or the surrounding areas, is that the KFC that I frequent the most is actually across the street from Orozco's. So it's very interesting <laughs> that they decided to go with the chicken and waffles theme. I know you can say it you know, varies by location, and if that's true, that's a location I probably wouldn't, wouldn't put my chicken and waffles at. But sure enough, it's there. Sure enough, I went. Um, and I will say I was not disappointed. Uh, it's quality. I got a little uh, two-waffle box, and they give you about three tenders. But that KFC is always great about putting extra tenders in there as well. Like whenever I go, I'll get like a three-piece tender meal, and they put like five in there. It's a beautiful thing. Shout out to my workers over there at KFC. Um, so I went in, got the three-piece box. You get three tenders. You get two waffles for about seven fifty, I think, seven sixty-nine maybe, which would be pretty nice. Um, and it's actually pretty good. You know, you get your chicken tenders as the same tenders they always give you. But the waffles were actually surprisingly good. Um, they they did their job. The they're kind of thick, which is good because uh, then it gives you uh, a little more in your stomach. It fills you up a little more, pause. So you know you really get a lot there in the syrup. Nice. It's it's a solid solid meal for you. That's all you need to do. You don't need to combine it with anything. Get yourself that, uh, and it comes with a drink as well. So you're gonna have a good time with that. Two questions. I would I would question and a comment. I would say I would always add hot sauce, but that's just what I do, personal preference mm. there. And you're not the biggest spicy guy. Well, with and the with the tenders or with the waffles? 
with both. Like when I eat mm. Roscoe's, I go syrup in the hot sauce for everything. Mm. I, I mean, I do the waffles. hot sauce on the chicken, yeah, but I wouldn't do the hot sauce on the waffles personally. It's just kind of because they're all combined. It just kind of ends up happening. I don't like put hot sauce on the waffles. It just kind of makes its way in there. The drip down effect. Yeah. And also as far as the thickness goes, how many C's are we talking here? Uh, I'd say – well, so I was expecting one C. It was just you know a, a nice thick waffle is what I was expecting. But in terms of how, what I was expecting versus what I got – I'd probably say three C's, but to average it out, I'll give you a two C's. If you're not expecting anything, it's a two C thick. If you're expecting a one C, you're going to get three C's. So what you're saying is they exceeded your expectations. Well, so I'm moving on. Um, It's really unfortunate that he just said that. There was a story that came out, um, a Harvard uh, uh, professional, I believe, came out with a story that said that fries are meant to be eaten six at a time. And I don't mean six per bite, which is what I believe they should be eaten as. They're talking about six per serving, per meal. And that's a terrible, terrible survey or study that he did. Uh, Absolutely horrific. Yeah. And it ties into what I want to ask you, Solis, because um, it's another it's, thing it's that I really Jesse almost throw up a little it, bit. <laughs> it's really something that, that's really disappointing to me. And you know, uh, while I'm happy for you, Sol, and you'll understand why, um, I'm also sad because In and Out apparently is putting a restaurant in Oklahoma, and yes. that is just way too far from the West Coast to be acceptable. And I know that's closer to you. You got a what is a three hour, forty three minute drive there for you, Sol, if you want to get that done. But um, I, I want to take those fries down six at a time per handful, but not not in Oklahoma. Yeah, I, so a couple things here. Nick, I hope you uh, see yourself out after that joke because that was awful. Um, and from there, let's go first with the French fry number. Uh, I was on the same page as you, Jesse. Uh, I, I assumed when I read that the first time without even thinking about it, that that just meant like per bite, like six fries per bite, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like yeah, I usually go like four, but I guess I'm I'm I, I thought I was getting a little greedy, but uh, maybe on the opposite end of that." And then when I realized that it meant like you should have six French fries with your hamburger, I was like, "Well, you know, obviously the Ivy League is not so smart. Uh, you know, we've been told our whole lives that the uh, or the upper echelon of education, but uh, any kind of idiot that's going to make that statement." Uh, maybe doesn't reflect the entire university, but I haven't seen any type of official statement from Harvard or anyone in the Ivy League uh, disowning that and disavowing that. So apparently they all stand in, uh, you know, stand with him, which is just wrong, just very, very wrong. Um, and then going to the in and out, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I'm tired of of all the Whataburger talk in this part of the area, part of the nation. Um, you know, you don't get it as much in Kansas because we have neither here, but I, I can't say I'm opposed, Jesse. A quicker drive to in and out you know, I think that currently the closest one would either be like Dallas or Vegas to me. Um, so having one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where, where it would be, uh, ooh, three hours, 43 minutes, uh, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I would definitely make a day trip down to Oklahoma. And stop in Tulsa to get that and probably go to Oklahoma City. Yeah, Sully, because you've been doing a lot of driving. You drove out to Kansas, if I'm not mistaken, and you've, you've driven up to Chico. You've done the whole California route. And so I, th- I feel like this is like slight work for you. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I've driven from Los Angeles to New Orleans with, uh, again, second mention of the pod today for Joe, but uh, he, he's really making his presence felt. I'm a big fan of driving. I used to drive up to Chico that eight-hour, seven-and-a-half-hour ordeal every time. Um, those drives are cake to me at this point. So knocking out a nice... 
you know, get an Airbnb for a night. I, I have plans to get down to Oklahoma City to see a basketball game either way. Tulsa's on the way to Oklahoma City. You know, just stop right in, get that in and out. Go see Russell Westbrook take on LeBron if that's the – I think they play in maybe January. That could be a possibility. I don't, Although I don't think the in and out is open then. I don't know if there's any plans of when they would open it. I'm in favor of this, but I can understand Jesse's point as well. And I will have to say, if if it does end up happening, and and you go do, you have to report back to us because I have a, a strong belief. Although I have not had In and Out in any other place besides California, I have a real strong belief that every other In and Out is inferior to the In and Outs here. So I want proof of that. Yeah, I I I think I've been to the one in Vegas, maybe Arizona. I've definitely had a different one, but either way, uh, I think the California ones just have an extra amount of flavor. The closer you are to Monterey Park, or not Monterey Park, excuse me, Baldwin Park, where it originated, the better it is, where the university is. University is. Um, so I agree with you, but I definitely will let you know either way, Justin. Yeah, and, and all this talk of road trips just wants me to, uh, just makes me want to encourage all of our listeners a little word of advice. If you are going to take a long road trip, um, it could be that much better if you just pop on the latest episode of Cautiously Optimistic. It's a great way to get from point A to point B. And But for now, that's going to be the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. It's getting to be that time, ladies and gentlemen, the time where we have to say goodbye. But before we do, we would like to bless you all with some super hot, interesting takes and shout outs. We've had a lot of time to stew over what we can talk about since our last podcast, but we're going to come hot and fresh with these takes and shout outs. Super hot, if I may say so myself. Two takes, though. First of all, we're going to go one from Jesse and one from Sully, but we're going to pass it off to Jesse first. All right. So it's been a great year for hip hop here in 2018. As we get close to the end of the year, as we've been talking about throughout this podcast, how we are in December, it's getting close to the end of the year. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say, and I don't know how hot of a take this is, it's, I think it's, if you're going to crown one album, album of the year, it's probably going to be a hot take no matter what it is, because it's been such a good year in hip-hop. But I'm going to go ahead and say, we're less than a week into this album, but Meek Mill's Championships is the album of the year. 19 tracks, consistent all the way through, um, absolute slappers on there um i'm gonna go ahead and say meek millie just came through did a really good job of waiting for a while to didn't rush his album right when he got out of the jail uh took his time but they got some great features um a couple of the best verses of the year I mean, the jay-z verse people are saying is one of the best verses of the year on what's free uh, meek mill really came with it shout out to meek uh and the dream chasers and the one with drake is crazy too and the freestyle on fun flex was wild um meek mill on fire right now album of the year championships go listen if you haven't yet yeah i agree with you just if you have listened to the album go check it out champions is one of my favorite songs on that i like the uh, oodles and noodles as well anything with a soulful beat i'm a fan of and, and they got pretty much anything you would want on there so for me i know i said it two takes i, I think it's now three reviewing my notes at this point um first off just on, on the baseball note uh they're trying to kill the shift and it is stupid and they should just stop uh, if teams want to use the shift, let them use the shift. It's up to the hitters to hit the ball the other way uh, and do all that. So uh, it, it it is ridiculous to me. Just you know, they're trying to change the league so much. The league is going to transform into whatever it is. Let the people have the dingers. Let the people have the 102 mile hour fastballs. Uh, let everything else just be managed by the players and managers. Don't have league enforcement for that. Yeah. So that's. 
sports take I have there. Yeah, um, I agree. With, I agree with you, Sully. I think uh, shifts are just part of the game. Uh, you you have nine players on the field, and you can put them wherever you want. There should not be a designated area that they have to stand. Um, the position that we're traditionally used to is just because that's where nine guys tend to fit best. But if you want to put them somewhere else, all the power to you. I think that's fine. Um, I think it kind of goes similar to my take on the intentional walk, where I think the the pitches still should be thrown, but I understand the timing and all that. Um, but yeah, so uh, shifts are annoying for hitters who don't know how to hit out of them. Yeah, exactly. And it would be like, you know, the NBA, we're going to a positionless NBA, and then the league changed the rules and made them have a standard center. Like, everyone has to have a above 6'11", above 275 person playing in the five. Like, that just doesn't make any sense, and it's just not what any league would try and do to their game. Anyway, it is what it is. On non-sports-related points, um, this one, I guess, is uh, more of a shout-out. I'm going to go take shout-out, take shout-out Ice Cube for uh, getting Celebrity Deathmatch back onto the air. Uh, one of my favorite shows from my childhood, if you'll remember that kind of claymation animation show with the wrestling and the celebrities, uh, poor representations of them. Probably a show I should have been watching as a kid. We talked about this before the podcast. That show and Most Extreme Challenge, two great ones from a childhood. Most Extreme Challenge, I think, in the uh, kind of more PC landscape of today, I don't think would ever happen again, but... Uh, good to see a celebrity deathmatch given a little revival there. Uh, I'm all on board on that, so I hope we get some good stuff from there. And last but not least, um, the big news for those of you that love Netflix, uh, which I more recently have been really crushing shows at, a, at an alarming rate. Um, Netflix and Friends, people make so much about Friends, uh, and I just want to get this clear, get this straight. Friends is awful. Uh, Friends is a, a terrible show. Uh, it's cheesy. It's not funny. Um, and uh, I would watch Seinfeld every day of the week and twice on Sunday if ever given the option between those two. And it's not close. All right. So I, I, I have to chime in here. I was nodding my head. I was so excited for what you were about to say. And then you, you, you took it a little far. You took it a little far. I don't think Friends is good. I don't think it's far enough. It's not good. I don't think it's good, but awful. Uh, it like it's not that bad as you made it seem. I think that Friends is very overrated. Um, I think it's just because it has it has a very good cast. You know, you, you got to love Jen Aniston. You know, um, Lisa Kudrow is great. Um, you know, you got it, it's it's a very good cast, but the show is not entertaining to me. And I think that's just something that uh, I, I'm with you on that, but. I wouldn't have went as far as to say terrible or awful. I just think in my mind, I've created a rivalry between that and Seinfeld. And I'm so, Seinfeld is so much better. It's uh, so much fun. I don't think you're really a fan, Jesse, so maybe you don't have that same rivalry. It's kind of like how Nick feels about football. He just is kind of whatever about it. And then now <laughs> just kind of found a show he sort of liked and now he's going to go with it, you know? Uh, it would be like his, um, what's that show with the kids Nick Graves about and made us watch? Stranger Things. Which you Nick enjoyed. Can- which you enjoyed. You're welcome. And Sully, before you continue your, your dismembering of whatever you're doing here, I, I, I agree with you. Adults are talking. Please stop for a second so I can continue my joke. Um, Nick is trying to chime into a Friends vs. Seinfeld argument with Stranger Things, talking about how it's always been the best show and people should respect it. Really not getting the entire gravity of the situation. But either way, Nick, go on with what you're about to say. Either way, Sully, uh, I was actually going to chime in and agree with you here because I also enjoy Seinfeld much more than Friends. My only point to to your uh, take there was that I'm with Jesse. I don't think Friends is bad. I don't think it's great. I enjoy Friends. I enjoy Friends, but I enjoy Seinfeld more. So 
hopefully you can accept that um, as partially agreeing with your take there. But I think in agreement, I just I don't like I don't think it's funny. Like I don't laugh when I watch Friends. I think it's goofy and too bubbly for myself. You know, I've it, that's just not my sense of humor. It, it that's needs fair. to be raunchier. It needs to be drier, uh, and it is not that. What I will say is, you know, they can go ahead and take Friends away. I'm fine with that. But if they're going to take Friends away. You better go ahead and bring American Vandal back because that is not coming back for a third season, and that is the most upsetting news that Netflix has hit us with in a long time. An actual friend of Jesse and ours that affects, you know, although I don't know if he would have been involved in the third season, there wasn't a lot of carryover from season one or two. Um, but unfortunate, definitely unfortunate. Uh, it, it was a, a quality show, although I'm really confused about what the age range they were trying to get at there. It's still, I don't know if it was for younger teenagers, I don't know if it was for people our age. Uh, College, probably. It definitely got to me. I thought it was hilarious. Yes, it was. And shout out Jeremy for, uh, you know, if you've watched the show, uh, obviously you'll know who he is, uh, but you don't know Jeremy off camera like Jesse and I. Yes. Uh, you know, cause we went to middle school with him. So there you go. There you go. And I will close out this segment with something I talked about briefly in our locks and upsets. I told you I was going to bring it back around. And my shout out is to Northwestern zone, Justin Jackson, who is now starting for the San Diego chargers because of injuries to Melvin Gordon and ineffectiveness of the second string guy, Austin Keller, I think. Uh, Austin Eckler is not ineffective. He's just a a change of shadow. Well, Anthony Lynn says that Austin Eckler is wearing down and uh, could use Justin Jackson more. Justin Jackson scored the game tying touchdown in Pittsburgh to give them their impressive come from behind win in the second and half Northwestern just played and unfortunately lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game but a very impressive season by them they will be coming to California for the Holiday Bowl in San Diego against Utah my parents are very happy and I'm happy for them Justin Jackson is getting a shine in the NFL and uh, shout out to Justin Jackson and Northwestern trash <laughs> go Gophers baby you know uh, someone with no Big Ten alliances I don't care <laughs> yep, we do not. And Nick shouldn't care either, you know, but he he you know, he's a thinks he's a big time capital J Journo. And so he's holding on to those folks in Northwestern. It was awful to me that in the you know, you have Syracuse good this year, Northwestern uh better than they have been in years past, and uh, you know, Mizzou obviously landing a big time transfer there. Mm-hmm. Um it I hate that all those big journalism schools are are doing positive things because then you just have an, an annoying annoying set of times on Twitter. Well, my affection for Northwestern has nothing to do with the journalism school. It has everything to do with my parents who went there, so that that can uh, maybe uh, re- get removed from your argument there, Sully. But that they not handle the journalism school? What's going on here? I don't get what the point you're I'm sorry? I don't know. I, I just I hate Northwestern. <laughs> I get that. That's fine. Um, I enjoy Northwestern, and I hope you all enjoyed episode 86 of the Cautiously Optimistic podcast. We apologize for the delay, but we are back, and uh, we'll be hoping to get some more episodes to you very soon. Um, but thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at CautiouslyPod, at Instagram at CautiouslyPod, all of our places. Our new WordPress account up and running, which is nice. Crying at this sign to me, oh lord, this shit I'm doing for my hood, I won't get an award.